Everton with a slower ball. One of the great balls. Given the moment, given the batsman, and given the match, that is a staggering gamble that's played off for Harmison. It is episode five of the Villagers podcast, and we've never been bigger. We've never been bigger, boys. Um, new audience. I'm going to say a massive comma star to our Filipino listener. <laughs> An enormous priviet to our Russian audience that has kicked in. And a, <laughs> and a very vigorous wassalam alakam to our Maldivian crowd. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody sat, sat in the Maldives with a pina colada <laughs> listening to you talk about cricket teas? That's it. <laughs> I'm not sure who these people are, but it's massive. I mean, getting into Russia, biggest land, biggest landmass, um, single landmass country on the planet is huge. And obviously, they've got their critics at the moment. It's probably fair enough, but we appreciate every listener we can get our hands on at the moment. So, probably again, mass- an absolutely massive priviet to, uh, to all of our Russian audience. How was the week on the uh, on the Maldives thing? But I know who that listener was. That was uh, our listener Dale Stancliffe, who was on holiday. So sorry about that. I know it was good, but Boo. cut that out. Yeah. Right. Well, hey up to Dale then. Yeah. <laughs> hey up, Dale. Hello to um, Sam. Yes, year. What we've been up to uh, this week, boys? Yeah. Well, uh, I've just recently changed jobs, so uh, big week for for the Hammerhead over here. Um, so that's been, that's been a nice sort of surprise. Had a Christmas in July yesterday. So a big roast dinner, drank too much rosé, and uh, yeah, very abusive. And then uh, football today, back in goal, two-one win. Job done. Excellent, mate. Your goalie gloves finally working for you. Yeah, they're going all right now. They're going all right. Yeah, that just reminds me of a time you said you had a Christmas in July. Um, Ross Burr once turned up to the Swifts context of managing a Sunday League football team at the time. Ross Burr came up to me before kickoff. And uh, I knew something was going on for the way he looked at me. And he, he said, uh, Smithy, um, I've got to go at half time. So, <laughs> all right, why? He said, uh, got a Christmas dinner. <laughs> it's October, mate. He said, yeah, um, yeah, we do a practice one. <laughs> oh, my God. So you're telling me we've got 11 men. And you're leaving at half time because your mum, who's been making Christmas dinners for 30 years, needs to practice putting the goose in the oven. And, and also, for context, the man you're talking about, whose dad is non league player of the millennium, the famous Stevie Burr, I can't believe that that's. Um, yeah. I can't believe that that has passed through HR yeah, in the, the 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 worst excuse i've ever heard to leave football or not coming from football a practice christmas dinner that is absolutely uh, shocking yeah a disgrace anyway yeah, carry on also yeah. remember a good, a good quote involving the non league player of the millennium steve Burr. i remember playing in a it was boxing day and i've got no idea i think it was Iris cricket against the legion pub or someone like that yeah i remember it yeah the ref gave a weird decision. I was on the bench for Iris Cricket Club and Steve Burr went, bloody hell, ref, you must have those round-the-corner eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Which just stuck with me. I don't know what it means. <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, yeah, with our Christmas in July yesterday, we ended up drinking, like I said, that much rosé. And uh, a very good friend of mine, Shawnee Mitch, just loves uh, doing the full Monty when he's absolutely bladdered. 
So it's got to the point where we're then strutting, just doing to, to the theme tune, of, well, not the theme tune, but the song, I'm Too Sexy For My Shirt, and everyone just, just getting the kit off. It was uh, absolute carnage. Carnage. Um, yes, yeah, it's been a sports fan's dream for me, really. Off work this week, we've had the Ashes, um, late night, obviously, down here. The Open Golf, which I think a lot of will be listening, uh, listening to, tuning into. Um, and then if you like your trash TV, you've you've got your Love Island um, and the Women's World Cup also. In the... <laughs> That's controversial. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, uh, put it in the comedy section, put it under comedy if you want. <laughs> oh, that's a... Ah, it's a can of worms, isn't it? Brilliant. Oh dear! No, it's it's uh, yeah, it's been been good. That's kicked off down nah, here. He's it's been... mildly cretinous. <laughs> um, in New Zealand, Australia, there's been a lot of fanfare around it. Yeah, so it's been it's been good enough to give Matt um, Paulie a semi mongrel. I'd imagine anyway. <laughs> <laughs> particularly this, particularly the Sweden South Africa game earlier on today. <laughs> So, pushing on, right, said Fred, on with the uh, the podcast. Theme of today's is fleeing the village. We're three villagers that have managed to flee our respective villages. Not quite California, here we come. Not quite right back where we started from, but uh, we've certainly fleed, fleed our villages. Um, but as always, we'll start with some correspondence because, yet again, the villagers sack is overflowing to the point where before the pod we were discussing how the best problem to have is too much correspondence and we do feel a bit like Sven Goran Eriksson having to leave Joe Cole on the bench repeatedly and don't get me started on Gerard and Lampard (laughs) very well put let's hear your sack Pat Postman Pat Postman Pat Postman Pat and it village is sad Send us correspondence So we can talk our nonsense And everyone can have a regular laugh <laughs> Absolute chaos Tommy, what have we got? What have we had for you in the sack, mate? Yeah, I guess this is big news. I know the the OC has been uh, a hot topic over the last couple of pods. So we've uh, we've had Matt Brown write in. It's quite quite a lengthy one. So uh, fasten your seatbelts. Matt Brown has put, "Hello, mate. Just listening to the pod. Marissa was called was killed in a road traffic collision by Vol Volchok. That's an interesting name." Who she was previously romantically he, entwined with. He's not our he's not our Russian listener, is he, Volchok? Yeah, Priviet Volchok. <laughs> well, <laughs> it goes on to say that, yeah, romantically entwined with, and it caused Ryan to leave and become a cage fighter. I mean, this is this really is top draw stuff. Uh, he said he re- rewatched them all during lockdown, so that was all from memory. Uh, in terms of the when when this was broadcast, um, there was obviously some speculation about when it was. He's done some serious digging and, and said that that was broadcast in the US on the 18th of May 2006. I imagine was shown on UK TV in 2007. Therefore, England would have beaten Scotland 42-20 high-scoring drama. Thriller. So he's really done his homework there. And by the sounds of it, Smithy, you've done the right thing here and recorded that game because 42-20, hell of a game. Yeah, brilliant. Um, clearly no doubt in my mind which one I wanted to watch. 
So, yeah, and thank you, Matt Brown, for that extensive research. That's sensational. It's what we need. We asked for it, and we got it. He's delivered. Yeah, he, you know, and he said it's it's quite a famous game. Apparently, um, he sent me the he has sent through the the picture of it. So, eighty two thousand fans watched on at, at the home of England rugby when Brian Ashton's side, captain by Martin Corrie, secured a forty two twenty over Frank Adams Scotland. That is tremendous uh, correspondence and a great way to start the villagers' sack. Sensational stuff. I've I've had um, a message from Bob uh, from uh, from Burntwood. He's from the Burntwood Warsaw area. Oh, um, so I said the blob. <laughs> no, that would have been way funnier. Um, he just wanted to give Mark Williams a big shout out. <laughs> He is now a listener as well, following the pod. Right. Excellent. <laughs> Those who have no idea who the blob is, we'll just say oh, he's a very dear. famous villager from Oriwest. Uh, and while you're Googling right, said Fred, he looks like he could be a band member of the same. Sorry, Smithy, what did Bob from Burnham um, have to say? So he messaged me saying, uh, all right, Ian, enjoying the podcast, mate. I remember an under-16s game away at Burntwood that we won 70-0. We scored 10 tries and you kicked all 10 conversions, many of which were from the line. <laughs> After that day, I was convinced you'd go on to higher honours, despite the fact you couldn't tackle a paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that is why you are now making a podcast and not counting your England cap. Cheers, mate. <laughs> that is fantastic. fantastic. A great accent as well. Yeah, yeah, gold from Bob. Thanks for that, mate. From Burntwood. Yeah, he was my coach boy. from about under 11s to under 17s. Yeah, absolute nut job, West Midlands police officer. And it was uh, another West Midlands police officer who was famously asked about his holiday to Spain that he was about to go on and whether he travelled much and whether he spoke any Spanish. And he looked at my friend in utter disgust and said, all I need to know in Spanish is I want to grow severe bitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a man. And he loved it. That is he loved good. it. Um, so the correspondence that, that we received that was really quite frightening. Yeah, to disturbing be, this one. To, to be frank, um, was that, this, and this is from the official Oriwas Cricket Club uh, social media account, so I can't imagine it's inaccurate. And they've, they're claiming, they're making the allegation that since COVID-19 swept the nation and the planet, Oriwas Cricket Club no longer do cricket tees. What? That's wild, yeah. That's a bombshell. It's a Love Island bombshell. I'm not sure how to take that and whether that's a sick joke or whether that is the face of... They said the world was going to change as a result of COVID, um, but this is something else. So I'm going to need some more clarity there. And if there's any any listeners from around the Derbyshire leagues that can confirm or deny that this is now uh, the done thing around the county, because that is... Yeah, I wouldn't be turning up. Half the, reason you, half the reason you turn up for your tea. I would not be playing if there weren't cricket tees. Yeah. That's not literally the, the best that's the best part of cricket is having a massive feed halfway yeah, through. Sat, I like, can't sat, believe that. Sat with you your mates, having a having a feed, laughing at people getting run out and stuff. 
or right. just stealing all the food so no one else can have it. There's there's multiple you know forms of enjoyment you can have during a cricket tea. But I I would like to find out what whether that's just a, a Derbyshire thing or that's national. I know that they they stop the teas during COVID, but surely now everyone's that, that's that's the Ibis, isn't it? Surely that's got that can't be. Still I, I can't imagine this. I can't imagine you know sharing a, a changing room, a car journey away from home, sh- often sharing equipment, a leather ball. Um, a shower with people is going to be worse for COVID contraction than, um, you know, sharing a beef sandwich off a plate. <laughs> and maybe a scotch egg. <laughs> yeah, so correspondence required. Yeah, um, so that's, that's a massive concern. But um, that's all we've probably got time for from the sack today. So I suppose we need to get on to our fleeing the vision. But we're going to start with Tom. <laughs> So just a, the segment we're going on, obviously, for those new listeners, um, the three of us support, um, you know, I would say fairly fairly good good teams in their own rights. Um, so obviously, Rafe is a, is a massive Burton Albion fan, the Brewers. Brewers! Uh, Smithy is obviously a Ram. You uh, Rams! And uh, myself, obviously, support Warsaw FC, the Super Saddlers! Um, <laughs> so, lads, it's been a it's been a great week again. I think in preseason, um, I think all three, all well, all three of our sides are undefeated in preseason. Um, the Saddlers got a, a terrific one-one result against Rochdale um, uh, last night, and uh, the Brewers two-two with West Brom. So that's a phenomenal result. Um, and then the Rams roundly trounced the Potteries, uh, as they're known on Pro Evo, uh, which is Stoke City. <laughs> Uh, 3-0. So, lads, any thoughts on, on pre-season football so far for our teams? Yeah, Derby have finally had the shackles taken off. Um, the transfer embargo that went on for a couple of years. I think we've signed about seven players. Um, a few of them are in the first team now. And it was actually uh, Craig Forsyth's testimonial, 10-year testimonial, <laughs> yesterday, which my sister and mother um, attended. Yeah, 3-0 win. Uh, I think one of the new defenders got on the score sheet. So, Good to see legends like Craig Bryson uh, back at Pride Park. Um, yeah, I'm sure it was a great game. Hey, the Brewers? They've actually made some solid signings and permanent signings, which is unlike the Brewers, because we usually rely on just lone players seeing us through the season. We've actually signed a few players who I know nothing about, but they look good and they say the right things. So... I'm looking forward to probably ending 15th again this season. <laughs> and then, yeah, the Saddlers, we made a few signings, like I mentioned on the last pod about Danny Johnson, um, the DJ coming back. So him him coming back to, to the club uh, after being let go by Nigel Clough at Mansfield has been a has been a big plus for us. So I'm thoroughly looking forward to our first home game against Morecambe um, beginning of August. Yeah, excellent, boys. So it sounds like a solid pre-season. Yep, so... Very, very good. And more updates will follow. Um, but I think, yeah, Rafe, we, should we get started with Fleeing the Village? How, how's your, do... how did your football go this week, Rafe? Uh, 1-6-3 today, um, which was good. We, we, were, we were solid. And then second half, we started to throw it away. And someone called me a non-ginger Paul Scholes from the sideline. Oh, I was wow. Whipping the ball. Well, so Rob Shaw, you've met him, famous sports journalist in, down here. He was watching. He, I know he was taking the piss. 
Um, <laughs> but I'll still take it because I was raking passes across the field, left, right and Chelsea. So that was good. 6-3. Uh, our keeper nearly killed someone and uh, there was no hot water in the changing room, so no shower, which was yeah, a nightmare. Yeah. We lost 6-4 on Thursday. Half our team wasn't there, but it was our first defeat uh, for about 15 games. Uh, we went 5-0 down. In oh. the, yeah, yeah, 5-0 down in the first sort of 10 minutes. Um, I did score what I would consider to be one of my better goals. Um, the guys chipped it over to the back post and all I was thinking as the ball was coming across was Van Basten, Van Basten, Van Basten. <laughs> and I <laughs> pinged it on left foot volley straight into the roof of the net and that oh. made it 5-1 to them. But yeah, I bagged, bagged a hat trick but could not save us. We had quite a few players out. But You've gone, you've gone home happy though with a hat trick, surely. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm selfish. Yeah. Match yeah. ball. Yeah. <laughs> They've got new match balls, actually. Tempted to try and nick it, but probably haven't got room on my shelf. Well, after, obviously, my, my absence last week for, for Locomotive Cove, I was back in goal today, back between the sticks, and uh, we got a nice 2-1 win against Kudji. So, uh, yeah, happy with that. Um, I did get rounded twice in the first 20 minutes trying to come out and clear balls, which was not a, not a good start. Start, but yeah, it was uh, it was cracking to get a good win. Playing on one of the worst synthetic pitches you'll ever see as well. Absolutely dreadful. And if anyone's ever been to Heffron Park, don't ever go back. That's all I'd say. Excellent. As talking about Flea in the Village, like one thing I massively had to get used to was playing on synthetic pitches. It yeah, just, it's just good and it's skid, bad. Just I doesn't think. skid on, does it though? When you like a midfielder, if you're playing a ball through ball or over the top, you expect a bit of zip on from the grass and it just stops. You'd like them to sprinkle a bit of water on it, wouldn't you? Yeah. You really would, but they just they just don't do it. And this one just it's just my knees are just ripped open constantly. It's, yeah, it's not great. Oh, yeah, as a keeper, than... it'd be a car crash, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, better than playing on the on the cricket pitch that's our home ground because that is generally terrible, terrible. Rolled ankles, not good for sliding. But yeah, hey ho. Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Flee in the village, pain. Flee in the village. We've all fleed the village and we thought it'd be a good topic to cover some stories of other people that have fleed the village overseas professionals we know sporting stories from around the globe because we've 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 got some crackers it's fair to say um sniffy do you want to lead us off mate with uh with any tales of uh of your, your own village fleeing yeah so i um left the village and went to melbourne where i joined the mighty King's Domain Football Club. Shout out to Alyssa on Tinder who got me down there. Uh, <laughs> she was playing for them at the time and highly recommended it. So I went down and met a few good lads, a couple very memorable lads, actually. Um, first sort of training session, there was a lad who was like looked Spanish, sort of Portuguese to me, like looked really good. Like, you know, you tell a player when they take a touch and just rip a ball into the winger. And I was like, oh, he looks decent. And I just assumed that he wasn't English based on the way he was playing and how he looked. And I, I came on second half and played with him in the middle of the park. And he turned around to me and he went, all right, lads, where you's from? <laughs> He's from the Wirral. So absolutely shocked at that. And anyway, it turns out that this lad 
Um, his name's Adam Hitchin. And he played for Liverpool Academy all the way through the age groups and sort of went out for drinks with him. And I'd asking him who the best player was that he'd played with. And he said, um, well, I've played with Gerard, I've played with Didier Mann, um, I've played with Alonso, but you're never going to, you've got to have this, mate. The best player I've ever played with in my life was Florian Cinema Pongol. <laughs> <laughs> No way. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. He went apparently he went through the age groups with him at Liverpool and he says unbelievable. Oh, Never played with anyone that. like it. Yeah. I know. But what was... happened to Florence Cinema Pongo? <laughs> uh, I doubt he played more than 30 or 40 times for Liverpool off the bench, but mm. uh, which isn't bad, obviously. But when you've trained and played with the likes of Xavi, Alonso, and Gerard, it just stuck with me that that was the best player that he thought he played with. Yeah, yeah that's top, that's top lad Adam Hitchin. He's now married to um, a stunning Swedish bird living over there. So oh, get him I'd on the pod. Let's get Sweden on the list. I'd hate to have his life. Sounds <laughs> like a bloody nightmare. Yeah, no, we had some good times. Good times in Melbourne with him and Scotty, which we'll talk about. Uh, we'll talk about Scotty in a bit. I think. Right. I always think. It, nothing's funnier than when you're on the other side of the world and you meet some random person from England, e.g. Scotty, Scotty, who you're about to talk about, who's a massive Leicester City fan. It's one of the thickest accents ever, and it just doesn't seem right when you're um, in like a paradise, basically. Yeah. And then in in our case, Sniffy, when we were at the Australian Open with with Scott, and we were right behind the baseline as players were just mid mid game and we we're talking about Leicester City and it was the famous Leicester City team that won the Premier League and Scott uh, Scott in the middle of a middle of a game <laughs> uttered the immortal words we got Wes Morgan at the back he's a fucking donkey <laughs> <laughs> Wes Morgan he's a fucking donkey <laughs> donkey he's a donkey and uh and the uh, umpire went, quiet, please. <laughs> <laughs> it was the woman behind us. The woman behind us was telling him to shut up the whole game. She did. She turned around. No, she was in front, I remember, because she turned around and said, and said, um, you're supposed to be quiet during a game. And she turned around and Scott went, fuck me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember him saying, Wes Morgan is the worst player ever to win the Premier League. <laughs> He's a donkey. Oh, he used to love telling the story about the fact that Chris Smalling had megged himself playing for England as well. I don't know why I remember that. He hated Chris Smalling. <laughs> oh, that was a great day out, though, wasn't it? The Australian Open is one of the oh, best weekends. Brilliant. Peking Duck. Not, not a particular. Uh, yeah, I'm not a particular um, massive tennis fan, but. Absolutely loved every second of the Australian Open, sponsored by Canadian Club. So you just drink an unbelievable amount of that in forty degree heat. Do you remember we? Do you remember how we blagged away onto court three? So there was a yeah. there was a massive line of like about half an hour minimum. You'd be waiting, and you just had to wait for people to come out in for you to get a seat. And Scott just went, "Oh fuck this! Let's just go and tell that eighteen-year-old kid on security that we've already come out to get drinks," and just walk straight past him. <laughs> we did. <laughs> walk straight. The, in. Uh, the security guard was an absolute donkey too. <laughs> <wasn't he? laughs> 
Oh, no wonder people hate us. <laughs> Just the Brits in general, yeah. Oh, funny though. Yeah, Scott, absolute legend. Went to the uh, F1 with him and Boxing Day test. Yeah, Aussie Open and the Melbourne Cup. We had a right year. Brilliant stuff. Good lad. Tommy, you've fleed the village, mate. You've been back. You've fleed again. What's wrong with the village? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, for me, yeah, I came over and I joined a cricket club. Like, shout out to Lane Cove Cricket Club, playing the Shires comp. Um, and really, I did, to be honest, I didn't even really want to play. I kind of got dragged into it from a few guys I'd done sort of regional farm work with. Um, turned up and there was a, a guy from Yorkshire, Eddie Gayablick, and the coach was uh, from Worcestershire, Ben Priest. But I just got on with them really well. Um, I had probably the worst season in the world. Um, couldn't score a run, bowled horrifically, got banned for refusing to walk. Um, but I think the best thing, and this, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but the EOST, which for those who don't know, and I didn't know this, I had no idea what they were talking about. EOST is end of season trip. And that is absolutely insane. And it's obviously carried from cricket and now into the football club I play for, which is obviously Locomotive Cove. And we've had, you know, we went to the Gold Coast. And again, I'll refer back to a friend of the pod, Shawnee Mitch. He's got the record for the shortest amount of time spent on an end of season trip. He got there at 10 o'clock, was absolutely leathered when he got there because they'd been <laughs> drinking on the plane. Stayed up all night drinking. I told him to go to bed. I was like, please go to bed because you can't back up. He refused to. I woke up at eight in the morning, opened the window, saw him on the balcony with two of the other lads. And he just, they literally got um, Santan Dave just playing and they're just playing Tiago Silva. And he's just giving me the double bastard. So he's just flagging <laughs> me, laughing at me. Anyway, so at this point now, I'm like, right, get up, get shower. We've got to go to Top Golf. So we go to Top Golf. Sean has spent the entire time just sat on the toilet, didn't come out. I had one bite of a chicken wing, and that's his. You know, you, you can't say no to chicken wings, especially Sean. And then anyway, he's just disappeared. So like, oh fucking hell. So we've got we've obviously left golf space, got the Uber back to the hotel. He's in he's in bed, absolute state. It's about two o'clock, and all the lads were like, right, let's dress up in our football kit. So. We all put our football kit on that we took with us, went and played on the beach. It was, we were all pissed, just falling over, just, you know, just chaos. Jumped in the pool, went back up. I've gone to check on him. No one in the room, completely empty, nothing. I'm like, where is he? Maybe maybe he's moved. So we've, we've had a look around and gone, oh, no, he's not in any other rooms. Check the other apartment, not there. Tried to ring him, no answer. Then just a message to the group, lads, I can't hack it, I'm gone. Two o'clock, so he'd been in the Gold Coast at 10 p.m. and he'd left at 2 p.m. the next wow, day. Wow, flew. Yeah weekend and then yeah we've obviously you know gone out and stuff and then i've seen um i've just seen a video of sean he's just like sat on the balcony and well, i used to live with him and he's just there just you know just having a having a beer just on the balcony. Like, i can't believe he's left so yeah he's it, i mean those trips are just phenomenal and then obviously the covid one we um, we went to a place called wooter um, it's the only place we could book um just in, sort of in, in covid and we just had this house and it was it was just chaos just absolute bad I think one of the best things was we, uh, one of the lads who plays, he's an Aussie lad and um, he hits a golf ball but like Monty Burns, so he gets a lot of that. <laughs> uh, proper... <laughs> he's arrived, turned up, we were hiding behind the bushes and we just jumped and everyone's jumped on his car. So we're just bouncing up and down on his car. He's absolutely <laughs> fuming, fuming. But yeah, I guess in terms of fleeing the village, um, yeah, I, I, I now... <clears throat> 
only look forward to just end the season trips because it's just complete chaos. I mean, what what cannot what cannot be enjoyable about fifteen lads let loose on a on a town or a city for a for a weekend? Yeah, I brilliant. completely agree, and it's funny you talk about that because it's something I love about playing sport in Australia is the end of season trip. And I haven't played cricket for about six seasons here, but I still get invited every year to the end of season trip because of the dimensions I can add to that kind of occasion, which is generally, yeah, shouting stupid things, winding people up, talking to anybody when I'm drunk and with complete confidence and being a bit of a weirdo. I got invited. Anyway, last year... (laughs) I only just remembered this as you were talking. Last year, we went to Hobart for two nights, uh, for a night, sorry. And all the lads got on a bus, but I, um, I had to do something on the Saturday morning. So I drove myself down there. And I only knew probably three or four people on the trip and the, the other 15 I'd never met before. And I was told it's fancy dress. And all I was told is it's fancy dress. The theme was current events. Uh, at the time and I got given the name of a pub and that was it so I naturally just assumed that okay it'll be close to the hotel so I drove down there I got changed I went dressed as Boris Becker who had just been sent to prison for um, tax evasion (laughs) so I was in full like white short tiny white shorts a white polo shirt ginger wig a tennis racket with a ball strapped to it and I stepped out the front of our accommodation, which was a terrible backpackers hostel, in that kit. It was pissing down with rain. Put into my phone where the venue was and realised it was six kilometres down the road in a different <laughs> suburb. So I was then dressed as Boris Becker, stone cold sober, having to get an Uber to pick me up. So I'm in the middle of the street. People are looking at me, commenting. I'm not with anybody else dressed up. I'm completely on my own, like a freak show at about 1 p.m. on a Saturday. The um, Eventually an Uber picked me up. And then the next problem, I got to this pub, which was absolutely packed. And again, I'm out the front dressed as Boris Becker. I don't know the group I'm walking over to. No one's answering in their phone so I walk into this pub where everyone's dressed quite nicely just eating lunch and beers with a tennis racket (laughs) (laughs) a massive ginger wig and eventually found the group that I was with and I was more committed than most with the fancy dress uh, and just thought this is just I mean it's the start of an absolutely chaotic evening really Um, one thing I was going to touch on on overseas um trips tommy is um you've obviously mentioned when you went to lane cove what you've single-handedly failed to point out is the fact that you and i when we were 19 years old moved to launceston tasmania and plied a season of our trade uh in the northern tasmania cricket association (laughs) uh not together for rival teams and I just remember you went out there first because your mum's from Tasmania, I think, isn't she? So she's grew up there, yeah, yeah. She's the uh, she's the inn, if you like. And I remember me, I was in England, not doing a lot at the time, waiting for a job to wait to start a job that was going to be about six months to twelve months wait. And you, I'm messaging you saying, do you reckon you could get me out there for a team? And you eventually spoke with. 
a fella from the rival club South Launceston Cricket Club, the Knights, whose name is Dean Hawkins, a.k.a. the Hawk. And back and forth, and eventually I managed to square it away so I could come over and play and coach for a season. And I remember saying to you, "How? what's Hawk like? Is he a nice guy? And you said to me that he'd shouted at... <laughs> He'd walk past and gone, hey, Tommy, and then pulled his pants down and flashed his brown eye at you. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, this is a club I'm going to absolutely love. He's the head coach. <laughs> yeah, and I remember that season as well. There was a there was a couple of instances. I remember you coming and watching my first game, and do you remember I was just trying to reverse sweep everything, and they all just thought I was absolutely dog shit. Yes, you looked you looked like you'd never held a bat before. And I remember Crin I hadn't played a game at this point and I'm considerably shitter than you are. And I was watching you swing and miss and try and reverse sweep and thinking, I am in so far above my head here. <laughs> Sounds like your Warwickshire career, Tom. Well, yeah, it was shocking. It was shocking. But me, yeah, me and Rafe actually never played against each other when we were there. We kept chopping and changing between first and second grade, never played, but we did play um, I think it was it was it a charity game when we went. I think we, there was a game at Georgetown Cricket Club. Georgetown is the former hunting ground of one of our one of the pod's favourite sons, LJ Official. Liam Johnson played a season there, <laughs> and Georgetown is a pretty rough and ready sort of place here that had quite a lot of talent. Quite a lot of talents come from there, like Xavier Doherty, the old Australian off-spinner. He's a Georgetown boy, and a few Tasmanian cricketers have come from there. So it's a bit of a some rough diamonds come out of there. And it was, it was what it was was some kind of it was some kind of charity or memorial type game where it was a Georgetown eleven versus kind of a prof- oh I don't want to say professional is not the right word, but it was like a best of the rest type yeah tournament wasn't it no not tournament game so yeah yeah but it was uh but we played there with um there was a guy called tim tim mcdonald who was crackers for crackers yeah who was playing for tasmania and um yeah i i just remember just looking at you rafe and just going why are we here but the best part about that game i'm pretty sure this happened rafe you'll have to correct me but they basically needed two to win. I think yeah. maybe the last ball. And <laughs> they've hit one. It's gone to a fielder. They've thrown it at the stumps, missed. Rafe was meant to be backing up, didn't. And it went for four and we lost. <laughs> no, what happened was, you, you're not far off it. It was a T20 and it was a mass. I remember it being a monstrous score. It was like 150. You know, at the time, actually, it, it's not that big of these days. But 150 was a pretty good score in a T20. It was about that. And the opposition was like one four nine for nine, and I was deep backward square leg. And I, again, I was panicking, thinking if if he gets under this, I'm going to have to take the catch to win the game. <laughs> Thank Christ, Crackers is running in, bowling rapid outside off stump. The guys hit it to cover, and my job at deep square is to back up the stumps. And I've been I'm just switched off completely, thinking oh we've won oh we've won the game. The guys had a shy at the stumps. <laughs> And I'm about 80 metres on the boundary still, not backing up. And the ball's just trickled to me. They've come through for the second and won the game. <laughs> I've lost the entire game. I've lost, basically. Oh, um, he shouldn't have thrown it. But, he shouldn't um, have thrown it. Because, I just yeah. remember the Tim, yeah, Tim, who was a really funny guy, a really good bloke from memory. And yeah. he, he 
did not care. He found the whole thing absolutely hilarious after the game. <laughs> He's just laughing at me saying, what? you didn't feel like backing up, Cobber. <laughs> <laughs> Smithy, you got a quiz for us, mate? <laughs> yes, gentlemen, as usual, I have come up with a little um, entertaining quiz segment for us for the week. Um, so I came across a... 2003 England rugby documentary um, during my time off school this week called Sweet Chariot, which was very entertaining. Um, and on the on the documentary, they go to a zoo, a safari park, and Richard Hill and Johnny Wilkinson are walking around with Martin Johnson, looking at all the animals, and they start coming up with um, their best 15 rugby players, but in the form of an animal. Um, so I thought I'd challenge you two boys. Um, and I've had a go as well, uh, coming up with a rugby team made out of safari park animals, or animals if we, uh, if we feel that way. So we'll start with the front row, the big boys. Um, what, have you th- what are your thoughts? I simply had a rhino as a prop. Yeah, Martin Johnson's they, call as well, yeah. They run at, they literally, they, their defence mechanism is running at things with their head, which is exactly what a prop does. <laughs> Agree. Any advances, Tom? Uh, I was thinking of the uh, of the gorilla. I think you know just the the stance that a gorilla has would be would be terrific as a prop. But I'm, I'm yeah, I would have also said a rhino. Yeah. But... Well, we need two of them, so silverback and rhino. So I'd probably I'd probably say I'd have gorilla loose head, tight head, um, be a rhino. Yeah. Okay. Hooker. What are we having as your hooker? Warthog. Have you seen a warthog in a safari? I'm thinking the bloke from The Lion King, uh, Pumba. Yeah, yeah. again. The raging potato Keith Wood would probably agree with you there. Yeah, I'd yeah. probably with that one, yeah. I think that's a, that's a solid solid choice. Rampant. Yeah. Okay, um, different species now. Obviously, second rowers. Who, who's your big, your big unit? I'd probably go with a giraffe. Yes. It's going to win you a bit of line-out ball, isn't it? The legs have got me worried on a giraffe. <laughs> you imagine digging in a mall or a ruck with those. You're going to, they're going to snap, aren't they? Digs like a demented mall there. Well, maybe an elephant, then. <laughs> yeah, elephant's always my shout, I think. Or, I mean, like your big bears. Like, a grizzly. Yeah. It's the engine or the, room. Or uh, the, lesser, the lesser written about, Kodiak. <laughs> <laughs> Most deadly bear on the planet, I think. Polar bear would um, be a big unit to shift, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I'd like to see a polar. You can imagine a polar bear, right? If you're you're at Murrayfield, right? <laughs> Middle of winter, it's pissing down, it's freezing cold, and you've got a polar bear second row. Yeah, I mean they are built for that. I mean, they'd struggle <laughs> down under, wouldn't they? Or in Bloemfontein. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not travel. You know, they're not, they're not going to travel well. No. But I also think the polar bear, all it does is, like, you know, chase after penguins. I don't think he's ever come up against, you know, against real force. So I think, it, you know, it could be a bit of a pussy in that regard. But I do yeah. like it. Not so, exactly a Sherman tank, is it? So you've heard it here first, polar bears are pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute pussies. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, right, your, your jackals, your back rowers, who's going to nick you the ball? I'm going to get straight away a, a big cheater, I reckon. 
Ooh, okay, yeah. Cat. I'd um what were the what were the bastards from the Lion King? Um The hyenas. Yeah. Hyenas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're scavengers. Yeah, and that's exactly what you want from your number seven. Someone Scrappy. Gonna, yeah. Ugly bastards. <laughs> Scrappy do. Yeah. Well, we need two of them, so we're gonna go Tiger. That's a great shout for a six. Powerhouse. Yeah, he's getting you over the gain line. And then we've got um, Hyenas at seven. <laughs> That's a ridiculous goal, but yeah, all right. Just Lion King featuring heavily. Now, your number eight's got to be a big ball carrier. Big unit. Probably a bit more mobile than your second row. Well, would you king of the jungle it then? The lion, or have yeah. we got another, another idea of it? I think a lion's a pretty good shout. <laughs> Dominant force. Male yeah. lion, probably, I would <laughs> probably. say. Probably. <laughs> Although that mane's going to be a nightmare in a again Ruck or Mole scenario, With that's a scrum hat. <laughs> You'd have to stick a scrum hat on him, wouldn't you? Big <laughs> shaggy hair. Oh god, that image in my head right now is brilliant. A lion with a scrum hat. Easy <laughs> your skipper. Oh, number nine, right. Who's your number Bit of a nine? show horse. Bit soft, but good on the yeah, eye. Small, Easy on the nimble, eye. gobby. Oh, gazelle. Probably be a bit big, I'd have thought. I was thinking like a monkey. <laughs> this is just a get, ridiculous conversation. Get there, get there quickly. This is, yeah. I'm not sure monkey, for me, your number nine for me, is, it's, it's your focal point of the team. You know, it's your... It's your Typically, a good-looking, good operator, talented, skilled. I think monkeys probably. That's your number ten, know. though, isn't it? Your number nine. I mean, they throw be very their own. Quick. They throw their own shit at each other. I don't think number <laughs> nine. That's more of a second row kind of behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay, intelligence, know. intelligence. Um, potentially, then I don't know. We're looking at. Well, in my head, when you said intelligence, I thought of a dolphin, and I thought a dolphin on a rugby field would be ridiculous. And then I thought, actually, when you combine all the animals you're putting onto a rugby field, how ridiculous that all sounds as well. Yeah. Well, dolphin playing with a lion, bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for giving me my favourite food. <laughs> it absolute nightmare. You're trying to number nine needs to be unbelievably dexterous, and you're suggesting an animal with flippers is the one whipping the ball out. Oh, amazing! Solid. I think going back to monkey, they've got the hands for that position. Yeah, that's so what I, think I was thinking too. It's not I as dumb think. as I was actually initially first thought, but I'd say it wouldn't be a macaque. It'd be something like a baboon, maybe like a really <laughs> a well-set monkey. <laughs> I think as well, obviously, a close relative of the, the gorilla, but you know, there's, there's quite a good teamwork in that. Yeah. You know, like, it, would, mm. uh, it, would, it would be good force. Yeah, when you're yeah. putting the ball into the scrum, yeah, the prop and the, the half back, good link up play. Probably a baboon then, should we say a baboon? You wouldn't yeah. want to be stood behind the baboon with it bending over, though, would you? That big red arse. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Well, he'd be in shorts. 
<laughs> Can you imagine a shot full kit? It's full kit up, right? Cut a hole in it for the tail, but you need shorts. You can't have, you, you, you can't you, you can't get that far fetched naked animals running around. They'd be in they'd be in kit. Like the the um the what? World Rugby Council's got some rules. <laughs> right. Shall we who's gonna be your speedsters? Cheetah. Who's your wing it? Yeah. Animal on the planet. Tyreek Hill, yeah. You're going to need two of them. So, you'd have, would you have a cheetah and then you'd probably Quagwarev. have a jaguar? Wouldn't you yeah. have a gazelle as well, though? I like, I like the gazelle idea because they can just nip in and out. They're quite good. Yeah. I, have, I have gazelles in polar bear territory, absolute pussies. <laughs> never see them do anything other than getting mauled. Yeah, but we're asking them to just run after a ball. Yeah, like Chesling Colby's pretty small. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, a bit of a gazelle. Yeah, spring All right. Well, well, we'll have a gazelle, but gazelle next to a jaguar. I mean, I can't imagine the yeah. teamwork's going to be great, to be honest. But. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to stick with the big cats on the wing, I think. Pace, yeah. power. Good under the high ball, probably a cat as well. Yeah, I've seen. Well, I, I remember my cat Murphy used to play with a ball of string and was quite proficient. So I'm going to argue with you. Yeah. Well, that just leaves us with two uh, two centres, two bulls in the centres. You probably want one massive unit. Hippo. <laughs> yeah, uh, hippos are more mobile than you think as well. Yeah, they're, they they're are, aren't over they? Over 100 metres, they'd do you quite comfortably. Yeah. And then eat your head off. So... Yeah, we say good solid twelve. Stay. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I like that at twelve. They always say look out for the hippos, don't they? On these programs, oh, your programs, your program, absolute nutters. They're territorial, aren't they? So that's, that's what you want. They'd be really, you know, looking after your uh, your own half. That's yeah. it. And then your other centre, I would almost, I'd almost. It's going to be. It's a difficult one. I'd like to see some nonsense in there, just like like a zebra. Yeah, it's not a bad shout. Big horse running yeah. at you. Yeah. Yeah, steed. Yeah, a ze- yeah. We'll, have a zebra. we'll have a we'll have a big Jeff Horsfield. A massive zebra in the middle, just in the middle, just bursting through occasionally. Yeah, I like that. I like that. A lot of hippo and a zebra coming at you in the midfield. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the only two we haven't done is the number 10 and the fullback, the kickers. I always think the fullback's a weird position. So it's a bit of an alone animal. Like your fullback's. Your fullback for me has similar characteristics as a goalkeeper in football in that they're always a bit weird. It's a strange (laughs) position. So it'd have to be an animal. For some reason, an animal like a toucan comes to mind, the big birds, because they. I can just imagine they kind of swoop in on the ball. They're sort of they're alone. They'll pick they'll pick and choose what they eat, what they do. Can you imagine um, an ostrich? An ostrich coming on a crashed ball. Woof. Fantastic. An ostrich is a good shout. Flightless bird, but could be. Yeah, decent. so maybe yeah. not good under the high ball, but he's got a long enough neck to get up there. Imagine a toucan just swooping up a high ball. <laughs> We're just flying off all depressed. <laughs> Want to play on my own. Worst animals for a rugby team, flamingos. Can you imagine the state of that? 
snap. <laughs> a, no hands. B, tiny legs. They usually only stand on one of them. <laughs> what are they going to do? What are they going to do as a, in a movie, in a rolling rock? They've got absolutely oh, no chance. I, I still think you're shy of a toucan. What the hell is a toucan going to do? How the hell is a toucan going to do? Massive beak, perfect for ball carrying. <laughs> they fly. They're quick. Oh, God. Yeah, we haven't really considered birds. I'd be like eagles and stuff. But That'd be more... When we do our um, Quidditch episode, I think that's when the Eagles yeah. are going to come in. Yeah, well, you've, you, you obviously played a lot of Quidditch on the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone game that you stole back in 2006. So, um, yeah, you could obviously do that one. I'd have killed for an Eagle in that. <laughs> or a Phoenix. Uh, yeah, or anyway, Phoenix. so that's our the, the basis of our Animal 15, and I'd love to hear some ideas from the villagers as to where they would... Uh, put their animals and uh, could potentially write up some 15s on a piece of paper and send them in like we used to do in maths when we'd uh, be annoying the hell out of Miss Wilson by writing up her football teams made out of specifically ginger-haired players. <laughs> um, and I'd also like any correspondence regarding polar bears um, and whether they are pussies or not because I'm not... I'm not going to back myself in there. I don't want to annoy an entire uh, species. I get that. There could be a, an apology next week. Well, I think, lads, with the fact we've not had to do any apologies this week is is pretty pretty good. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, polar bears are pussies. Brilliant. Well, I think that's probably a, a good time to wrap up the pod, gents. Um, I guess, yeah, we'll just, again, um, we obviously want to keep building that village and spread the word. You can obviously find us um on instagram at the villagers pod and now on twitter i've actually created that one as well so uh, the villagers pod is now on two social media platforms and we've obviously got the the email address so get in touch for more correspondence which you know we love filling the sack (laughs) brilliant lads well stay village and uh over and out well that is very good the swing works the oracle again Quite brilliant from Simon Jones.